the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning. Past 10 o'clock on this Monday, the sixth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. There you go. I'm a few days in now, and I'm still not screwing it up and saying 19. I actually wrote a check yesterday, too. Very few of us write checks anymore, right? There are a couple of occasions or occurrences in which checks are necessary, at least for me or for us, uh, where we're not paying digitally or with a card or whatever. And I actually have written two checks in the new year thus far, and neither one of them did I screw up and write 2019. So how about that? Feeling pretty proud of myself. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. And, and just to kind of summarize what the congressman was saying in response to the questions about whether or not the attack, or excuse me, the uh, strike that took the life of one of the most notorious terrorists and criminals uh, on the international stage, particularly as it pertains to the United States and Israel, General uh, Qasem Soleimani, when it comes to that strike, um, it didn't need to be preemptive. It wasn't preemptive, first of all. But it, it didn't need to be, even if they're, you know, we, we're talking about, well, <clears throat> the American uh, intelligence uh, uh, agencies say that there was an imminent attack, something that Soleimani was planning against U.S. forces, and they had knowledge of that, so therefore they had to strike in order to save American lives. The left is saying, well, how do we know that's true? How do we know we can trust the intelligence sources? Didn't you yourself, President Trump, declare that our intelligence has been compromised? by the deep state, you know, they're kind of mocking him in such ways and saying you can't prove that that intelligence showed that or that it was accurate. And Congressman Jordan largely just said, so what? Whether we can prove that or not is irrelevant. Just for past transgressions, international justice demands that we take out Soleimani for what he has already done to Americans and our allies. Six to seven hundred deaths, 
thousands wounded by Suleimani terror devices and plots and acts. He's, he's an enemy of humanity, not just of the American people or our allies in Israel or anywhere else. He's an enemy of humanity. He needed to be taken out years ago. And had he been, there would be more innocent people alive today. But Obama didn't have the guts to do it, even though Obama put him on the uh, terror list. Obama wouldn't do it. Even Bush before him wouldn't strike at him. Bush did. And it was well-deserved. No matter what the left is going to say, no matter how much they're going to try to politicize this, they're going to claim that Donald Trump is trying to avoid his impeachment. And indeed, I do see their point. I just interviewed Congressman Jim Jordan, and he's been at the forefront of defending the president in committees uh, during the impeachment inquiry, during the uh, drop of the articles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I didn't even ask him about impeachment because of the Iranian story. So to the extent that it has taken impeachment off the front page, that's true. But that's not why Donald Trump did this, no matter what idiots like uh, Elizabeth Warren We are much said. closer to the edge of war. The question is why now? Uh, why not a month ago? Why not a month from now? And the administration simply can't keep its story straight. It points in all different directions. The last time we saw this was this past summer over Ukraine, when people started asking questions about what had happened on the phone call between Donald Trump and the president of Ukraine and why aid to Ukraine had been stopped. The administration did the same thing. They point in all different directions and give a whole lot of different answers. And, of course, what it turned out to be is that Donald Trump was doing what Donald Trump does. And that is he was advancing his own personal political interests. This this ignorant beast, uh, Elizabeth Warren, wants to be the president of the United States. And she just said that President Trump's ordering of the killing of Soleimani when the opportunity presented itself, by the way, in a super tiny, narrow, pinpoint strike, pinprick strike, only killing Soleimani and his top aides, no collateral damage either, with this very narrow drone attack on Soleimani that taking out a terrorist who has killed Americans and who is surely plotting, whether it's imminent or future, to commit more terror attacks, to kill more Americans, that that this is in his own personal political interest. And in answer to this bumbling buffoon's question of why not a month ago and why not a month from now, well, a month ago, we didn't have intel that put him at a Baghdad airport pretty much hiding in plain sight with an opportunity. And a month ago, he had not helped orchestrate an attack on the American embassy in Baghdad. That's why not a month ago. And why not? A, and by the way, what was going on a month ago? Chief Liawatha, what, what was going on a month ago? The impeachment inquiry was going on a month ago. Had he done it a month ago, you would have claimed that he was doing that to disrupt or maybe even suspend the impeachment inquiry. Right? So a month ago, we hadn't had our embassy attacked by quote-unquote protesters. And a month from now, well, a month from now, we probably would have seen more attacks 
on more sites, and then what would you have said? And by the way, a month from now, we might be in the middle of a Senate trial over the impeachment issue. You would have then claimed he did this to, to take attention away and perhaps force the suspension of the trial. And you just said because he was afraid of being convicted. So there's no time that would have been right in your eyes. There's no time that would have been appropriate to take out a terrorist. The time that's appropriate to take out let me just kind of give you the, uh, give you the uh, spoiler alert here, uh, Liawatha. The time to take out a terrorist is when the terrorist is available for being taken out. Okay? Back in the 1990s, particularly I want to say it was 1998, I'd have to confirm, it might have been 99, um, we all studied this and paid attention to this when, it, when the, uh, the info came out. There was an opportunity that Bill Clinton had to take out Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan. He was in the crosshairs, literally in the rifle scope of American uh, snipers. And word was given to the President of the United States, Bill Clinton, and he told them to stand down. The decision not to take out that world's most dangerous terrorist at the time directly led to 9-11 and the deaths of 3,000 Americans and the changing, quite frankly, quite literally, the changing of the world. That decision to not take out the terrorists led to one of the, clearly the worst uh, terrorist attack in the history of, uh, of our country. President Trump wasn't going to make the same mistake President Clinton did. He was told there's an opening. He's there. He's at the airport. We know where. We can precision strike him. We have a rocket that can be fired from a drone. Bing, bang, boom. They'll never see it coming. Done. And the president said, execute. Which is exactly what the right call was. And it doesn't matter if it was a month ago, Liawatha. It doesn't matter if it was a month from now. And it doesn't matter if it was last week, which it was. You would have found something wrong with it because you do what demon rats do. You side with terrorists. You side with the Iranians. You side with the Ayatollah over the President of the United States. You would rather us send a drone carrying pallets of cash to to the Iranians rather than a drone carrying a rocket that would kill this evil, evil man. 19 minutes after 10 o'clock. Back with your calls after this on AM 1420 The Answer. France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty four. the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Going to go to the phones here, but just before I do, 24 seconds of the most savage response, I think, maybe, that has ever been given in the history of Sunday morning political talk shows. This may be the best response in history. Please listen as Jihadi Chris Wallace talks to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Uh, Some analysts suggest that the impeachment of President Trump has emboldened enemies like Iran and North Korea uh, to think that they can confront him. Do you think that 
as misguided as it may be that some of our enemies think that this president is more vulnerable because of the impeachment effort. You should ask Mr. Soleimani. <laughs> That's it. Most savage response in the history of Sunday morning talk shows. Some analysts suggest the impeachment of Trump has emboldened enemies that they think they can get away with things because he's vulnerable now. What do you think of that? You should ask Mr. Soleimani. <laughs> President Trump didn't look very vulnerable, did he? <laughs> oh, I love our Secretary of State. The only job I ever want Mike Pompeo to have besides Secretary of State is uh, GOP nominee in 2024. Uh, let's go to the phones. Where am I going here first? Michael Goldstein is on the line. I know him. Michael Goldstein is my friend. He is also the Ohio leader of uh, Projecting Justice to the Nations. He is the husband of former congressional candidate Beverly Goldstein. He's a wonderful person. Hey, Michael, how are you, sir? Bob, I'm fine today. Proclaiming justice to the nation. Proclaiming. I'm sorry. I knew I was going to mess that up if I just did it off That's the top okay. of my head. What did I say? Professing? Um, um, I'm not quite sure, but it was Whatever. But it is proclaiming. <laughs> Thank you. PJTN is, okay. is the initials anyway. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, PJTN.org. But I'm talking today in my individual capacity as a 30-year veteran of the intelligence community, specifically the Naval Security Group, mm. uh, which is the successor to the Naval Codebreakers of World War II. And instead of talking about the politics of the killing of Soleimani, let's talk about the historical precedent. In 1943, the code, naval codebreakers broke out a series of administrative um, messages from the Japanese Navy showing that the head of the Japanese fleet, Admiral Yamamoto, was going to be visiting, sounds a little familiar, visiting bases in the South Pacific, buck up the morale of the Japanese troops there. And they had a schedule where he was going to be and when and how he was going to be getting there. And the decision was made to shoot the guy down. And they did. He was a, This group was in two bombers, and we sent a P-38, a long-range uh, Army Air Corps fighters uh, from Guadalcanal, and we shot the guy down. Who was Yamamoto? Yamamoto was the guy who decided that uh, the Japanese should attack Pearl Harbor. It was his plan, and he he got a task um, through the Naval Japanese Command by threatening to resign if they didn't agree to it. Um, and um, so we took out Admiral Yamamoto, and the only decision, uh, and historians disagree on how far up the chain of command in the United States the decision went. Some people say it went to President Roosevelt. I think that the more studied opinion is it was done either by... Uh, uh, Chief of Naval Operations uh, Ernie King, or probably simply by Chester Nimitz, who was commander of the Pacific, all of our forces in the Pacific. So um, the man was a soldier. Yamamoto was, an, was a sailor, an admiral. Uh, Suleimani was a soldier. Um, he was doing terrible things. Yamamoto had done terrible things. And really, our only decision to make was, is his successor going to be worse for us? Or should we just leave him in place and not shoot him down? And the decision was made to kill him, and we did. He was, this group was traveling in two Betty bombers, and the Air Force did a beautiful job, Army Air Force, and shot the man down. Uh, we've done it before. It was the right thing to do. And I have to disagree with you in one respect where you say we're not at war with Iran. Iran declared war on us in 1979. We just haven't been 
fighting back very much. Um, this is a state of war, and uh, it was a perfectly legitimate um, targeting of this man. Now, I want to give kudos to whatever intelligence services of ours figured out exactly where and when this guy would be. That's the hard part. You have to figure out where your window of opportunity is. You need terrific intelligence to put it at that place, at that time, and the administrative coordination of um, getting our assets there to do the job. Everybody did a fine job. There's nothing to argue about. Michael, um, what's your schedule like? Can you hang on a minute through our news? Yes, sir. I want to go deeper into the war part, because I don't disagree with you. We have been in a state of war with Iran in a number of ways, but we have never had boots on the ground there the way we had in Iraq and still have in Iraq, and that is what a lot of people are fearing is next. I want to get your thoughts on that as we uh, as we continue. So stay with me. Michael Goldstein. Very uh, very sm- smart man with a lot of history, obviously. You've heard his experience in the United States Navy, and, of course, again, he is uh, uh, the Ohio leader of the uh, Proclaiming Justice to the Nation's uh, wonderful organization, which, by the way, is very important right now, given all of the anti-Semitic attacks in New York. But uh, i got a few more questions for Michael and for you. 216-901-0945 after the news. I am fourteen twenty. The Answer. Ten thirty four. Onward on this Monday. Thank you so much for joining us as we kind of sort of officially start the new year today, even though, of course, we had shows on Thursday and Friday on January 2nd and 3rd. Um, it's just kind of the start of the week, start of the new year. I feel like we're just getting it going uh, right now. Obviously, an extraordinarily important time in our nation's history and in our nation's future. Uh, I want to go back to the phones here. Michael Goldstein and, and, and Mike... Uh, I'm so glad you called in. It's kind of ironic or coincidental, I suppose, because I was going to reach out to you anyway at some point in the oh. next couple of days because of the, uh, you know, the spike in anti-Semitic attacks in New York and in particularly the attack at the rabbi's home, uh, uh, during Hanukkah and, uh, everything that went on there. I want to talk to you about that. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about that. So since you called in, I'll, I'll, I'll do that after we finish up on the Iranian discussion. So you, you, you said that you disagreed. We already are, are at war. So I, I think we actually do agree. We have been at war with Iran since 1979. You're, you're 100% right. But what we haven't is the, haven't had is the official, you know, um, uh, view of war from the ground. We haven't put, uh, troops on the ground there and are fighting in Iranian <laughs> cities the way we did in, in, uh, and have continued to in Afghanistan and we did in Iraq, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, the fear among many is that that's what this this uh, is situation is going to lead to. It's going to escalate from a bomb and rocket exchange to groups or troops rather on the ground fighting uh, uh, in a in a you know in the Middle East once again in a foreign war perhaps with no end. Um, what do you think of that prospect, Mike? Well, it may or it may not. We haven't, as far as I can tell, we haven't had a grand war strategy like we had in World War II at the beginning. Uh, even before we got in, we were meeting with the British in the, in the summer of 1941 before Pearl Harbor. We had a grand strategy, a grand war strategy for the Civil War. I don't know that we ever had a grand strategy. I have a feeling we've got one now, or we're getting one now. And that's a little fluid because we don't know way, which way this is going to go. But um, I think our overall strategy is to keep Iran from getting nuclear weapons, whatever way we decide to do that. And and um, 
the operational strategy will be to make sure that happens. So, and if it means putting boots on the ground, maybe we will. I think we'd like to avoid it, and we may be able to avoid it. Usually, should we avoid it, Mike? Though, just in your opinion, Mike, 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 hold yeah. on. Should should we avoid it at all costs? I mean, not at all costs, cost. but maybe not at all costs. But I mean, should that be a really, really, really super last resort into dealing with Iran? Maybe not even a last resort. No. Maybe it will be determined that we have to do that because hmm. an air force has never won a war. You've got to hmm. occupy territory. Um, but in this case, if you can manage to take out the regime without putting boots on the ground. That might be enough. I'm, you know, I never did high strategy. <laughs> um, I was never asked to do that. I was doing intelligence work, but I've done a lot of military history. Um, I'm sure if you look at uh, anything by Victor Davis Hanson, his book The Second World Wars, he's a big proponent of deterrence, and we lost deterrence worldwide during the Obama administration. Absolutely. Getting deterrence back, it's a very dangerous thing because people make mistakes when you say, yes, we're not going to let you do this anymore. But I'm sure he's applauding on the sidelines. I haven't heard any talk specifically on this issue by him in the last several days, but I'm sure he'll get to it. But if we have the boots on the ground, so be it. Mm -hmm. But I, I hope we don't have to. One more thought on this before I ask you about anti-Semitism. And in fact, I think we can tie them yeah. together, of course, because of the Iranians' constant threat against Israel anyway. Uh, will they, will they try to strike at Israel to get back at the Americans for the, uh, attack on Soleimani, the killing of Soleimani? But, but just briefly on the Iranian people. Um, we know that there has been a, a an uprising of sorts. Uh, it continues to be put down by the oppressive regime. Uh, but the people there want freedom. There are a lot of them anyway. Now, the fundamentalists and the ones who support the regime, of course, are angry about the Soleimani death. You know, they worshipped him. Either that or they faked it so they didn't get killed. Uh, you know, and they feared Soleimani and they feared the regime. But one way or the other, um, there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people in Iran who I do believe would, you know, if they, if they could ask, uh, could could answer the question under the cover of, of protection. They support what we just did. Will they continue to support us if we strike their cultural sites? The president has said, as a part of his deterrent strategy by Twitter, uh, we got fifty two sites picked out if they do something to harm Americans or our interests. We got fifty two sites picked out, and some of them are of cultural importance to the Iranians. I think he's using that as a deterrence, but if we struck those non military targets but things that were of importance to the uh, uh, you know the Islamic uh, you know religion and to those people, do we run the risk of alienating some Iranians who might be on our side? Oh, it's possible. Um... <clears throat> President Trump has a, a unique way of getting the mainstream media to start chasing its tails. Um, he may have said that just to set them off. Um, in World War II, in the war in the Pacific, which was a vicious, vicious war, we burned down most of the Japanese city with firebombs, you know, with incendiaries. Curtis LeMay did that before the two nuclear bombs were dropped. But we studiously avoided... It was from the State Department and from President Roosevelt. We avoided uh, Japan's holy sites, and we didn't try to kill the emperor, uh, which would have turned the whole populace completely against us. And I have a feeling um, they're not going to hit any real cultural sites. I don't think they will. Um, I think we're too smart for that, although I don't want to say I'm smarter than the president is. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, I, but I, but I, I, I do. Right. I, I think maybe, I, I you know, he, go ahead. We should avoid them, I think. In my, that's my personal opinion, that we should avoid them. Um, I do, too. 
I do too, but I don't mind the threat. I don't mind threatening them, again, maybe just as a deterrence. Maybe that's the one thing that will make them look and say, you know, whoa, it's one thing if they hit our military targets, but if they start hitting, you know, and again, I don't know what targets he has in mind, but if they start hitting things that are supposedly important to their culture, I assume that means their religion. Uh, and and the, and then you could be well, you could be setting off a powder keg that so, was way worse than religion. They they have a long Persian culture long before Islam took over there. Uh, they okay. have a lot of cultural states. You're right. There's you're, that's a great here. point. That, that's a great oh, point. Way, it could be any number of things. Good. As as a quick aside, did you see the the two picture cartoon? It wasn't a cartoon; it was photographs. But it's Pelosi, and the caption was uh, "Congress wasn't informed," and then Trump right below it is saying, "Neither was Soleimani." <laughs> and there's a reason, by the way. One beget the and, other. And because Be- because yeah, if Congress exactly had been informed, right. so would Suleimani have been. That's exactly, exactly that right. That, that's All a right. great, great... No, I did not see that one, but that's a great one. Michael, re- real quick. Um, in fact, you can do this in two, two, two parts if you want. Um, I, I fear for Israel. I mean, I always fear for Israel when it comes to what the Iranians might do and what other terror groups in the Middle East might do, whether it's Hezbollah, Hamas, or, or whatnot. But... Um, uh, when they say they're going to retaliate, it doesn't necessarily have to be against the United States uh, uh, specifically here. That's a heck of a lot harder for them to accomplish. But they may go after our top ally in the region, of course, and that is Israel, even harder than they normally do. Uh, are you concerned about that? and Or rather, how concerned are you about that? And then the second question is about what's going on, and we have seen in New York, this spike in anti-Semitic attacks on Jews, um, uh, like I said, in and around the city of New York. We know there are other places, too, but it's just been very specific to that. Uh, just give me your thoughts on that. Okay, well, now I can put my PJTN hat back on. Yeah. And not my naval story. Um, the Iranians might do anything at all. They've got terror cells here in the United States. They may decide to go after shopping malls. They may decide to go after government buildings. Who knows? We can't uh, protect everything at the same time. But we have some deterrence, I think, and uh, I think we'll go after them in very in a very serious way if they do. Um, they may hit U.S. assets in the Middle East. They threaten their carrier groups. They, you know, they can do anything at all. They have a lot of freedom of action. But they better consider what they're doing because it could really um, redound to their detriment very seriously. Um they might attack Israel. You know, I've got a uh, uh, relative there. And um, one second, please. Sure. No problem. We're talking to Michael Goldstein. If you just turn the radio on, Michael Goldstein is the Ohio director or leader of um, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, which is yeah, okay, an extraordinarily important nationwide organization. And uh, Mike is the leader here in Ohio. Uh, go ahead, Mike. I, I got a couple of photographs by, of, of my, uh, my son in Israel dropped our granddaughter off at preschool. Went to the bus stop to go to work, saw missiles coming over his head, and went back and picked her up, and they spent the day in the bomb shelter in their apartment building where I was texting back and forth with him on WhatsApp. Wow. And, yeah, I'm concerned about Israel being hit. There are you know, tens of thousands of missiles Hezbollah has in the north. Um, on the other hand, Iran knows that Israel won't hesitate to retaliate in the most vicious way if they, if they do this. And... Um, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think that's going to be their target. I would hope not. I hope I'm, I, I hope I'm I, right. 
Yeah, I do too. I do too, because you're right. Israel will respond justifiably as they always have, and they will do so with American support. And, uh, that of course could, could escalate things. So I hope they are not dumb enough to do yeah. that, uh, in Iran. Uh, now to, uh, what's going on here in the United States, and in particular what we saw, the horrific, uh, machete attack on the, uh, uh rabbi in his home with the, uh, guests, uh, uh, there during Hanukkah. And again, that was one of a number of attacks really over the last month that just seemed to have really, uh, uh, you know, that, that have really, and not just during Hanukkah either, but they really have, have spiked in recent times. Um, it's a little crazy. It's a little, a little crazy that uh, you heard the, what's her name, Joy, and the, what's her last name? Joy uh, Reed. On the View. Oh, no, Joy Behar. View. Joy Behar. Okay, another lunatic. Yeah, yeah when it was announced that, that this uh, kosher delicatessen in Jersey City had been hit, her first comment was, oh, Trump has let the uh, white nationalists loose. Well, Joy, they're black. <laughs> so now she's literally saying, the left is saying that black is white. Okay? I mean, I found that to be... She's not the only one, um, by the way. Yeah, she's not the only one who did that. Uh, there were mem- some, I can't remember which, but, but somebody in Congress actually said the same thing. Uh, just assumed it was white supremacists or white nationalists or whatever that were attacking Jews or Jewish sites. Um, and because you're right. that's it was, what they wanted. That's what they wanted. Exactly. Look, you know Bev and I, and with her campaign, we've been working with the black community in Cleveland for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was down in East Cleveland for a funeral yesterday. Um, no, on Saturday. Um, and we're not seeing that stuff here. I did notice that in New York, um, the Guardian Angels group of um, paramilitary people are out right. in the streets protect, protecting Hasidic Jews. Many of them are black. Um, many of the protectors of black. Uh, the Hasidic Jews dress the way they do. It makes them very observable. You can figure out who they are, and they can be sure. attacked. There's an article in uh, American Thinker a couple of days ago about the Islamic roots of black anti-Semitism. And that's well worth looking at, AmericanThinker.com. Um, Bev and I have been uh, asked to put on a course on four Thursdays in a row, starting in March, at a reformed Jewish synagogue, uh, mainly you know liberals, Mm-hmm. that we belong to, um, about the history of anti-Semitism. And I'll send you the information about that, because it's going to be open to the public for a small fee. Congregation members get in for nothing. <laughs> but there will be a small fee for people who are not members. And it's not limited to Jews. Okay. Um, and um, we're going to go through the whole gamut of the history of it. And why is it? It's the world's longest hatred. There's no rational basis for it. Um, and um, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. Uh, it makes no sense. It never has, but um, but it's there, and we've been fighting against it, Bev and I certainly, and a lot of other people, especially in the conservative community and in um, and the Christian evangelical community, proclaiming justice to the nations, um, where I'm the uh, uh, general counsel and the Ohio State director, um, our mission is to educate Christians on their biblical duty to support and defend Israel and the Jewish people, especially in this time of rising anti-Semitism. So, um, and, and Mike, I let me ask you, you. Mike, let me ask you one more question, if I can. Pjtn.org. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, indeed, I, I agree with that, and we'll hit that again here, but uh, just in in a minute. Um, sure. Because of the the uh, color, the the race of the attackers uh, that we were just talking about, they're black. It brings to mind um, 
the organization that I think I and a lot of other people first became aware of last year when they were the ones who were screaming and harassing the Covington Catholic kids outside the uh, uh, Lincoln Memorial in D.C. on the day of the uh, March for Life, the Black Hebrew Israelites. Now they're that's called black the perpetrators. Those were the perpetrators in New Jersey. In Jersey that's City. that's that's the reason I'm asking um, because I yeah. I had not heard of them before that incident last year with the Covington kids. Um, I didn't know what the Black Hebrew Israelites were, but you think, well, they're Jewish. They're called Black Hebrew Israelites, yeah. but yet they're the ones who are attacking Jews in New Jersey, as you pointed out there. So, just briefly, what can you tell us about the Black Hebrew Israelites? You know, I didn't really know much about the origins. Bev mentioned something the other day that the founder was a black Jewish guy. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I don't know what her source was. We didn't. We weren't able to get into it. But these people are not Jews. They're not Jews. And uh, they're not our friends. By our, I mean the friends of people in the United States. Mm-hmm. They're not friends. Um, and they're very evil. You know, I don't know if it came out on your show or not, but right next door to that uh, Jersey City delicatessen was what was probably their major target, which was a school for 50 little Jewish children in that school. They just couldn't get in the door, I think, so they hit the delicatessen next door. I did not know that, actually. That's horrific to think about. So, But, um, you know, we're very close with um, a number of black pastors here in Cleveland. um, I attend sometimes meetings of the United Pastors and Mission at Mount Zion Church, um, Bishop Macon, um, a group of people. They're just wonderful people, and um, they know I'm the only Republican in the group <laughs> when I show up. But um, they're interested in knowing what the point of view is, and maybe you and I could talk. He'd be a good, very good person for you to have on the air if he'll come. Um, but there are many people in, in the black community here were uh, very, very good people and very conservative socially. For instance, they weren't real happy with the uh, uh, the county council's establishment of their Human Rights Commission, especially when they found that biological men could you had to be you had to allow them into the ladies' rooms in the churches. They were very unhappy with that. So I believe it. There, yeah. um, there hasn't been that I know of between the black community in Cleveland and the Jewish community in, in Cleveland. And um, we want to keep it that way, of course. Look, right. they don't know. the past, Most of the pastors don't know, and almost all of their congregants don't know, and their children certainly don't know about the assistance that the Jewish community gave to um, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the other civil rights black folks marching in the South during the civil rights era. They walked arm in arm with the got people from the Jewish community. They were all attacked. Some people got killed, blacks and Jews, in Jewish support of civil rights. Wow. Um, in fact, CJTN well, has a video on it, which I'll make sure you get a copy of. <laughs> I would love to see it. Of that. I would love to see it. And, uh, when, and, and with that, I've got a jet here, Michael. Michael, I've got to go here, but I'll way, tell you what. I agree, with yeah. I, I agree with everything Jim Jordan said. Mm-hmm politically so do i so do i and, and i want i want to wrap our conversation by telling everybody to get to that website again it's pjtn is it dot com or dot org dot org dot org pjtn which stands for proclaiming justice to the nations pjtn.org uh michael thank you for calling my friend i appreciate it really really great insights on everything going on thank you michael thanks bob all right, that's uh, Michael Goldstein again, uh, the Ohio director of PJTN. We'll come back with a few more phone calls right after this.
through downtown, through greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Ten fifty-five. final segment is always a short one, but we always manage to get a call or two in under the wire, and that's what we're going to try to do now. Bob has been waiting in Medina. Uh, hey, Bob, go right ahead, sir. Hey, how you doing, Bob? Good. What's on your mind? Okay. Uh, you know, you mentioned something uh, very interesting about uh, Bill Clinton and yes. Osama. Yes. And uh, also, uh, a few segments back or a few days back, you also mentioned something that I was in agreement with you about... Uh, uh, about your feelings toward Chris Wallace. You know, I feel the same way. I think the guy, I, I, I don't care for him. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, neither you know? do I. Neither do I. Okay, okay. and so way back when, uh, and this was maybe even about 10 years ago or something, when Chris Wallace was first on there, first of all, I can't stand his smirk, you know. But anyways, he had, he was interviewing Clinton. Okay, and then he mentioned about the uh, the opportunity he had to take out Osama, yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, I mean, Bill Clinton went off on him like you wouldn't believe. I mean, Chris Wallace's face turned red, and you know, I mean, he was just unbelievably ticked off at the fact that uh, he bought that out. You know, and uh, well, it was well documented. It was well documented that he had a shot, and Bin Laden was in the crosshairs of military snipers' rifles, uh, and he called off the strike out of uh, uh, he says out of concern for civilian casualties. But they could have taken him out very easily at that point in time, and he to- and this is in 1998, and he told them to stand down. Um, right. and, and as a matter of fact, I I read, and I'd have to go back and look for it, Bob. Be- and thanks for the call, which I don't have time to do at the moment. But maybe for tomorrow's show, if somebody will remind me, uh, Marcy, let me know about this or remind me about this. But he did, excuse me, he did an interview, Bill Clinton, in which he admitted that, uh, and it wasn't with Chris Wallace, but he did an interview in which he admitted that he could have taken out Osama bin Laden back in 1998 and chose not to. And, of course, we all know that led to uh, uh, bin Laden continuing to build his network and eventually to finance and greenlight uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed's plan to attack the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. So, uh, yeah, he, he carries to this day that stain, different kind of stain than he carried with Monica, but he carries that stain on his legacy that he could have killed Osama bin Laden before the worst attack was carried out. Guess what? Donald Trump wasn't going to make the same mistake. He killed Soleimani when he had the opportunity. Janice in Euclid is going to be our last caller. Janice, i got a minute. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Bob, Sorry. when you say that they are taking sides, these treason mongers are taking sides mm-hmm. against the president and in favor of the Soleimani, this, this terrorist, you are also need to tell us that they're taking sides against me. They're taking sides against you and the other 63 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump to execute the office of the president. He is privy to intelligence that we're not privy to, that they're not privy to, and we voted for him to protect, defend, and save us. And that's what he's doing. It's not just taking issue against... Him. Against They're him. Yeah. Against me and you. 
Janice, I agree with every word. You're 100% correct, and we need to continue to mention that and point out that every attack on Donald Trump is an attack on his voters, is an attack on his supporters, is an attack, quite frankly, on patriots who believe in America first. That is all the time that I've got. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Jim Jordan for visiting today. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.